0: A cesspool of new news news um right now like roy Moore, you can go fuck yourself um and all of the people that support him go fuck yourselves um or get help um like what I, just i have too many feelings about it it hits a little too close to home anyway Um, I am so excited about the person I'm going to be introducing right now. Um, this is another Twitter relationship, as all my relationships are. (laughs) Um, it's a relationship that was started on Twitter, and now it's in real life, IRL. Oh my god. Hashtag blast. Um... I don't know why I'm being such a facetious cunt right now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- th- this being it, it is so fucking brilliant, it has such an incredible mind, um, and it, he has a new show right now called Titans, um, and he's like, I mean, you're just fucking incredible. Brian Edward Hill, welcome. Thank,
1: Thank you for me. having me.
0: Thanks for coming on.
1: This is great. Yeah. I, I, you know, normally when I'm doing a podcast, I have to promote something specific like my comics or whatever, whatever. It's really nice to do something where I don't have some kind of marketing mission where I can just have a conversation. Yeah. Um, Because normally, you know, you have to sort of like hawk your wares all over the place. And I'm terrible at that because I have a theory. Mm -hmm. My theory is if you're honest about your point of view and you communicate things sincerely, People will generally be interested in your work, whether it's a show I'm writing for or a movie I've, I've written you know, that's going to come out soon or a comic book, whatever. So I don't feel like you have to really work that hard. You just you know, have an honest communication about a thing. And someone yeah. says, well, I think that, that guy or that lady is interesting. I'm going to look them up. Okay. I mean, I've bought so many books. Not because a person was trying to sell me the book. I yeah. just listened to Gordon White's podcast okay. or a Higher Side Chats or something. It's like, you know what? That person – that mind is really, really crazy. I, I want to, you know, find what they've done. Oh, they've written some things, so I've, I've taken a look at it. Um, so it's nice to be able to have just like a conversation with someone without feeling like I have to have some marketing agenda.
0: Oh my gosh. I, 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 I A, am, am so grateful to hear you say that, and B, I actually don't know if I've had a single guest on that has come on, quote unquote, promoting something.
1: That's amazing. That's what podcasts should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, you know, like, of course, it's like, oh, do you have anything coming out that you want to blah, 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 da, 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 but, like, the point of them coming on is never to speak about the thing.
1: Yeah, and that's the worst. I've stopped listening to podcasts because people have... uh, We're in a culture now where we're sort of expected to self-promote all of the time. Yeah. You know, um, it's what social media has done to us. It's sort of building... These synaptic responses of endorphins and dopamine, yeah, based on us promoting ourselves, yes, and us being rewarded for that promotion, and the whole business of it isn't—it's pretty insidious. I I participate on social media because I genuinely like the conversations I have, yeah. But I also recognize the construct, right? Yeah. When I mean, you put things in terms of followers, yeah. I don't have followers. There are people who read my tweets. Yes. Right? That's not a follower. Yes. Right? Yes. And think about, you know, we're adults. Yes. But think about what happens to a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old that gets some $1,000 device because the social pressure of wherever they are tells them they have to have it. So now they have it. And they're on these social media platforms. Yeah. And they're thinking about their life with an actual metric. When we were growing up, we yeah. might have had a sense of how popular we were or like, oh, well, you know, maybe I've got some friends, maybe I don't, yeah. whatever it was. But yeah. we had the benefit of the subjectivity of the experience. Yes. Now you're giving you know, kids in some of the most impressionable and difficult periods of their lives an actual numeric value <laughs> to like, where they are in this bullshit social scenario I can only imagine the kind of self-esteem vacuums that's opening up inside of people because of that.
0: I mean, I just read about a girl who um, committed suicide who was 10 years old.
1: 10 years old?
0: 10 years old. um, After um, a fight that she had had with another student, she had been bullied, was posted on on a social media platform and she was so um ashamed and 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 sad and embarrassed by that that she mm. ended up taking her own life. It's awful. And it's uh, 10 years old and that's after um I'd read a, another thing about an 8-year-old that had taken his life um after getting bullied on social media.
1: That's yeah, it's I often say that shame is the root of a lot of evil. Yes. Right? Like shame is kind of the most useless thing we can feel. Yes. It's based on a bullshit social construct. Mm -hmm. It's based on something that doesn't exist. And it lives only because we fear and, you know, the irrational threat of consequence. Yeah. Because of something that we might have done or something we might have said. Yes. You know, it's... And so much of, of the world is built around creating shame. It's like you turn the television. Yes. And you see what a commercial that's saying, you know, is your hair wrong in this way? Yeah. Or do you have this skin issue? Yes. You know, did you do this thing and now you have to hide from the world, right? Yes. And all I used to work in advertising a little bit. Um, and I stopped because I saw how insidious it was. Mm. You know, everything is designed to open up a little hole inside you mm. so you can fill it with whatever they want you to fill it yeah. with. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you expose children to this, they're, they're, you know, they're feeling these things on such a profound level. Um, and they're not allowed to reconcile with the past in their own terms because they're forced to relive the past because the past is recorded. You know, I think often about how grateful I am that my relationship to the past exists in memory mm. alone. Mm. I don't have to look at a chronicle of my entire adolescence. So that I never forget the worst day I had that week. Huh. Right? Yeah. You know? Um, So I think whether it's parents working with their kids or maybe it's the the school system they're in or, or some element of their lives, we need to teach young people how to cope with this stuff. We can't just keep giving it to them and letting them participate and letting these feelings get weaponized because we're just going to see more things like that. Uh, we're in a new kind of uncharted territory. Yeah. You know, in human civilization. Yeah. Uh, if you look at like, you know, like the development of electricity or, you know, irrigation systems or what have you. I think social media, honestly, I mean certainly the internet, but in in a smaller Venn diagramic circle. Social media is going to be looked at as one of those this was a point when human evolution changed, <laughs> Like Human civilization turned here. I'm not sure where we're turning left or right or down or up, but we certainly turned. Uh, and I think the longer we don't treat it like that, uh, I think the more peril we're in.
0: Yeah, it's. You bring up several things that um, really strike me. on On one hand, and it's it's something that like I talk about. On this on this podcast, quite a bit. Like, do I think that the fucking founder of Twitter, Jack, needs to get his act together? Absolutely, Jack. Um, Absolutely, lutely. You know, um, do I think that they're doing the bare minimum after people have been, you know, screaming for years about fucking neo Nazis and just fucking tr- dumpster fire trash um and like like you and i you know like met via twitter you know like the my friends that i now have in real life i got to make those connections via twitter hmm. which i'm so very grateful for And I feel as though it's been helpful in terms of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. In terms of, you know, um, people that are socially conscious Mm. getting to raise voice and bring awareness. You look at Me Too, the Me Too campaign, which was started, again, you know, like, I love Alyssa Milano. I think she's great. I'm glad that, like, she was... Uh, high profile enough to really get that going, but she's not the creator of the me too hashtag. Um, that was started 10 years before by a woman of color. Um, and I'm thankful that she too is now getting credit and I think her first name is Tamara, but I can't think of her last name off the top of my head and I feel bad about that. Um, there's too many names in my mind. (laughs) Um,
1: put in the show notes.
0: Yes, I will put it in the show notes. I actually never do show notes. So.
1: Oh, we should do show notes. I, I will do show notes. I'll do that starting now. They're super helpful. I always look at the show notes.
0: Okay, I will do... I, I mean, I, I just am a girl with a mic <laughs> and, and um, a, a desire to connect with people. Um, but, you know, I think that social media has done a, a lot of beautiful things. And, and also, again, on the other side... As you said, it's, it's done a lot of really shitty things. I don't know that I would have survived if social media had been prevalent when I was growing up. Sure. You know, um, because like I do have my adolescence um, documented, those on film right. and TV shows. Right. Yeah. You know, of it's course. documented in a, in a very contained setting. Sure. You know, but it's documented th- nonetheless, and there was definitely commentary on that.
1: Well, when when an actor, especially you know, when you have a a younger actor, mm-hmm. ends up having a shared ownership, yeah, of a lot of their life, you know, because people tend to look at a performance and remember that, and that's the value of that person to me. Yes. Then they have an expectation that a person should match whatever my feeling is. Yes. About that. Yes. And it can it can give people the, the sense that they are owed something from a person that they've never met, only met through art. It's a tricky thing. I mean, I remember I was in film school when Welcome to the Dollhouse came out. Yeah. Because Todd was around. And you I went, went to th- NYU. I went to NYU, so yeah. I knew Todd. I mean, I didn't know him well, but I'd, I'd seen him. He yeah. was more like... Grad film and I was undergrad yeah. film. And like your poster was outside of the editing bay when I was struggling making like student films. I'd come out and I'd see that poster a, a lot, you know. And I, and I, even then I wonder, like, because you were young on the poster. I mean, most posters have like full grown adults on them, right? Yeah. So like Russell Crowe from 10 years ago and Russell Crowe now, pretty similar, right? But I, I, you know, I thought to myself, like, wow, at some point, she's going to not want to have this all over the place, (laughs) right? And you lose a little bit of uh, the control of that. But if people were more cognizant of the effect of it, I think this goes back to a kind of like the, a, a larger idea. In the West, we value action, but we don't really value thought, right? And we don't consider thought is action. We regulate thought to some kind of immaterial place, But action is what matters, right? You know, it's all about your deeds and not your your thoughts. And thinking is action, right? Thinking is – literally it creates a biochemical response. I mean it is an act to think. Yeah. So we should be more cognizant of our thoughts.
0: Well, thoughts become things.
1: Thoughts become things, right? And so when we consider our relationship to ideas of – of celebrity to like artists that are performing things that have mattered to us. Yes. Um, and this sense that we are owed something because we have watched a movie or or bought a disc or read a book or or, or what have you. Um, we don't think enough about what they might be going through as people Mm -hmm. that they are human beings, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, that are sharing parts of themselves, uh, because it gets wrapped up in envy so quickly. You're a movie star, so none of your other feelings matter, right? Because you've been in movies, so you've got all the stuff that I think I want and I don't have. So I have a right to feel about you however I want to feel. Yeah, you know? and
0: that's and that's also like a really big misconception as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, I read and I think I've brought this up on this podcast before, but and I just actually had the experience today. Um. I went somewhere to get food and there was a cashier by the name of Odessa and as it happens all the time I get that look The
1: do I know you from I've seen you in a hmm, what (laughs)
0: like
1: people think I'm Forrest Whitaker. (laughs) Do they really? I get Forrest Whitaker and Steve McQueen, not Steve McQueen, the race car driver actor, Steve McQueen the director of Toby's a slave. Okay. I get a lot of Steve McQueen. Yeah.
0: Wow. Sometimes
1: I take photographs as Steve McQueen.
0: Wow. Why should I break
1: their dream? That's true. Right? Let them have that dream. That's true. So I might be on Facebook pretending to be Steve McQueen (laughs) on someone's Facebook Ah! account. I that's fine. They got you know what? It, it's like they had an experience there you go why should i cheapen their experience that's, that's, with reality that's
0: very true <laughs> right that's, that's well and you could go so far as to say that for a moment you were you were him i was him
1: you for were a him i'm pretty sure that if i were to touch him we'd both disappear like time cop
0: <laughs>
1: um, so anyway odessa the cashier so
0: odessa the cashier and she was a startled that I was in the place that I was in. And I'm like, listen, a girl's
1: got to eat. Um, <laughs> Wait, well, you were in a movie. So like, you don't have to eat food. You, you don't have to eat food, let alone like
0: food from this place that I won't name. Um, not because I'm ashamed that I got food from there, but because I don't feel that they deserve any.
1: Right, extra they Podcast. don't just des- yeah they don't Marketing.
0: they don't deserve any kind of anything. Um, <laughs> I was just hungry, um and so she asked if I would give her an autograph, and I said, "I don't do that anymore, sure, and she said, "Wait, why? And I was like, no, I was like, i didn't and and this is the truth, you know, and uh, I'm going to piggyback onto. I'd read this interview that Francis Fisher had given hmm. um, for the New York Times, and it was the Sunday edition. Um, and I'm not a hoity-toity person that like reads the New York Times every Sunday. Like, I'm not. Um, and after their fucking Nazi next door piece, I don't know that I'll ever read the fucking Times again.
1: Oh, man. Tabloid um, time. That. Fucking Christ. Right? <sighs> I guess they got what they wanted, though.
0: Nazis. They're just like us.
1: Got a bunch of retweets. And <laughs> yeah. Bunch of chatter, like, you know. Like,
0: man, that's like, that should be a new, like, Us Weekly segment. Nazis, they're just like us. Seriously. it's
1: It was <laughs> one of the most cynical things I've seen a major publication do. Because they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It lit- literally did it so that we would hate it. We would talk about it. People would read it. Because I already had a pat-canned response to it. And you could see that it was, oh, this is like performance art. Like yeah. you're basically turning this into like some kind of Basquiat thing yeah. where yeah. you're going to do a thing, you know we're going to do a thing, mm-hmm. so you've got your response, and now no one's talking about the Washington Post for three days. Anyway, you don't sign autographs mm. anymore.
0: I don't, and I, pardon me, um, I don't know if that Mike just caught my mini belch, and it Yes, I just belched.
1: This is reality, folks. This it is. is it is. We're here. We're, we're real. <laughs> it's like Alex Jones. I'm a real man. I'm a real person. I'm here.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's. I mean, but are we? Maybe we're not. Maybe <laughs> we're, we're not. all just dreaming <laughs> in a pod right now, and it's just some good fucking blue dream weed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I told her like I I I don't. Do that anymore, and I, I had gotten it from Frances McDormand, who had said that she recognized someone early on. You know, when she was getting stopped and ba ba and people wanted her autograph or they wanted to take a photo and da 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 da. She's like, "That's not why I became an actor," and I identified with that so greatly because I was sure. like, "That most certainly is not why I became an actor." You know, I and I don't even think that I became one; I was born one. Um, I was born with an innate ability to be able to read a script and connect and identify with the energy of a character that was written on the page and being able to then alchemize that energy onto the page from the page into a performance Mm. um, and connect with, you know, other actor. And sometimes that, requires a lot of fucking sustainable effort, and sometimes it doesn't sure, um depending on whether you're actually working with an actor or a personality, but I digress anyway. I told this woman odessa that i i didn't sign autographs, and she was like, What really I was like that's not why I became an actor, and she was like what <laughs> and I was like it's not Sad and I was compute. like I was like, I became an actor to to have this to have this experience with you this human connection that's why and she was like really
1: <laughs> and i was human like connection don't yes, understand yes yeah and
0: then i was like but it's really nice to meet you and i looked her square in the eye and i shook her hand and because here's the deal right you know and my partner and i were it's always funny how my partner and i always have conversations the night before like and the conversation always ends up happening again um, and you're absolutely correct especially in regards to the west because i i look at i've i've never actually stepped foot in london though i would love to um, and but i feel that you know french cinema british cinema you know they're considered actors that are not considered movie stars they're sure. not considered the Starlight, untouchables. Right, you know, there's, there's not, um, uh, there's less of a class divide,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, as it were, than there is here. Sure. Um, and and I feel that. People, too, then also have this idea of that if you are in movies, that automatically means that you have millions of dollars that, yes, like we owe you something like right. the kids from fucking Stranger Things like those. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw fucking, that like
1: clip on Twitter. You know, yeah, it was like one of them um, was I don't know their their real names, but uh, wasn't uh, going
0: to give in wasn't stopping for an autograph at
1: like 10 o'clock at night outside his hotel. Yeah, and it's you know, yeah, it's like it's kid, and, and, it's person,
0: and that's the thing is that a first of all, nobody owes you anything, and it's like the 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 continued response, you know, is always yeah, but like your fans, ba you know, and my feeling is like a, I fucking like, I love the people who love my work. Because I know that they fucking get it, you know, like, and I know the difference because the people that are fans of mine, they know my name. They know the work that I've done, you know, and I've had the experience where on the other side, they just see somebody that they recognize as familiar and it's like, oh, there's a human Pokemon card.
1: Right. Let's get it. Yeah. You
0: know, versus... I would rather have 500 quote-unquote fans sure, um, than like 2 million <gasps> people that like knew me. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: absolutely. Like, you know, I, I write comics too. And comics are the strange kind of cultural ritual, the comic book convention. I don't know if you've been to one.
0: I've been to... I don't know that I've actually... I went to Comic-Con for Hostel 2.
1: Okay, right on. So... There's this – it's just this very kind of Roman thing where you've got people on one side of the table, Mm -hmm. people on the other side of the table. Yeah. And just because of that geography, there's a whole caste system in place. Yeah. Right? And so you've got your comics in front of you, and you've got a line of people that want you to sign your books.
0: Tag along, knock it off. (laughs) Not today. Thank you. Rude. Continue.
1: So these – these, you know, these, these people, they, they want to sign, it, they want you to sign it But now some of them just want to get your signature so they can resell it on the internet.
0: Yes. But you can't yes. tell,
1: right? I mean, you know, you, I can't judge a person because they're in line. That's
0: why I would always personalize it.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I like to have real time with people. Yes. To be able to talk to them and, and you know, do what I can and I kind of know them a little bit.
0: Tag along, I swear to God, knock it off. Come here. Come. Come now. Taglong is my critic. Taglong is being a bossy little bitch. Um, she's being a bossy little bitch right now. No, come here. Sit down. I'm sorry. Everybody, continue.
1: Yeah, so I like to demystify that as much as I can. You know, like, I don't like to. The moment someone makes you other. Yes. Whether that other is, I admire you and I look at you differently because you've done a thing that I couldn't do. Yes. That other is usually not personhood. Mm. And that's mm. how things turn into like what happens to Selena. Yes. Right? Yes. That's how things turn into what happened to uh, uh, Rebecca. There was an actress. It was like a famous story in the 80s. Um, and she was Rebecca like- Dunn. Maybe, yeah. It's like she was like, she was.
0: Dominic not Dunn's uh, daughter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, happened,
1: yeah. It, even, you know, it feels like admiration, but the moment you turn a person to something non-human, whether that is celebrity, you know, any of that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're now saying, I no longer have to afford you things I would afford a human being. Mm. So I can get mad at you for doing something that I wouldn't get mad at a human being for doing. I'm not going to get mad at my next-door neighbor for not signing a piece of paper when mm-hmm. I put it in front of mm-hmm. him. But mm-hmm. I will get mad at the celebrity because I've made them an other thing. Uh, anytime you're doing that, you are removing someone's humanity and giving them a different definition, which then allows you to treat them in an inhumane way Yes, if necessary. Yes. So I always try to humanize these experiences as much as I can and just have conversation with folks yes. because I don't like that – You know. That pedestaling, that shelving, whatever it is. Because it can feel like admiration and be very seductive to the ego at yeah. first. Yeah, But then when you think through, you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Because you're treating me like a car. Yeah. And what do you do with yeah. a, when a car stops doing what you want it to do? You sell it. <laughs> you sell the car, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's. It's, uh, we should all go to London or, or uh, France or maybe all of it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. like bring your partner, I'll bring my wife, we'll all go. Let's go. I've had this dream since I was a kid. Hmm. I saw this movie when I was in high school. It was called, uh, I think, Miss Parker and the Vicious Circle. It was a okay. Jennifer Jason Lee film. It was about Dorothy Parker yeah. and like her group of writers, and they would yeah. get together and they would have these conversations over like cigarettes and coffee or tea. And yeah. So I've always had this dream of having this group of artists and we would go and we would have our coffee and our tea and we would fix the world yes. over free cigarettes. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> or a few joints. You yes. Know? And like do all of that, like remedy all those things and achieve all that inspiration. Yes. Yeah.
0: That sounds like also Paris in the 20s with Gertrude Stein and Picasso and totally. the Salvador Dali. Yeah,
1: like those things are necessary. You oh,
0: fuck yes. Artist salons are incredibly necessary. Oh, so much so. And that's, and, you know, something that's, again, so interesting, right? Um, I feel like America is the only place that exalts and then vilifies their artists. Absolutely. Um, and that artistry is either something that's can, that is, you know, something for fags, you know, or like whatevs, blah, 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 And I can say fag because I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. So don't at me, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but like it's, it's something, again, that's either vilified or 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 exalted and you know i remember i remember being outside of um tavern on the green Hmm. and i was outside with lauren bacall oh wow when she was still alive that's cool and i i wonder how many people are scratching their heads right now being like Who's Lauren Bacall? Lauren
1: Bacall was awesome. That's all you need to know.
0: She was incredible. She was married to fucking Humphrey Bogart. Like, she has one of the most iconic lines in all of cinema history. Where she's like, you know how to whistle? Just put your lips together and blow. I mean, the sexual innuendo and the sexual tension that her and, like, Humphrey Bogart had. Incredible. Anyway, I remember because I did it, it took quite a bit for me to be starstruck um because there weren't a lot of people most of the people that I loved were dead right like Betty Davis sure dead, Greta Garbo dead Marlena Dietrich dead you know Ella Fitzgerald dead um like Lena Horn never met her um right. though she had been alive um
1: it was like Brando, right? Like I never, fuck, never got to meet Brando. Like, never got to meet Kubrick.
0: Fuck, right? I know. You know? I know. And the, and I, I remember just seeing her, and I was, I think I was like fourteen, no, I no, I think I was like sixteen because that's I was at school, I went to this like half school thing. That was like a musical theater thing. And I remember that I had been assigned The Grass Is Always Greener, which was from Woman of the Year, which she had done on Broadway. Right. And I remember she was outside smoking. I was outside smoking. And it took up every single thing that I had to introduce myself to her. (laughs) Also because I... There's something in this industry and, and now as evidenced on Twitter where if you have the blue mark of verification.
1: Oh God. If you're yeah.
0: verified on Twitter, that means you're someone.
1: Oh, it's the the second level of the of the cast system. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: It's the followers and then it's the the blue check mark. The blue check right, the, mark.
1: Like the cult of the blue check mark. Yeah, it's like yeah. you
0: have seven hundred and eighty seven followers, but you have a blue check mark.
1: Well, and you know, and this is and to anyone listening now that might not consider themselves interested in the occult of the esoteric, take a moment to think about what Heather is saying. So there's a symbol that we have attributed universal value to. And this symbol means that you mean more than other people, yes, right, and we've all signed this pact, and we've signed this pact by participating on the platform and recognizing the you know the verification checkmark. Yes, that that's one of the myriad ways that esoteric thought is being wielded against you every day. You know, someone you know asked me like, "Well, why'd you start studying the occult and the esoteric?" It's really because I came from an advertising background. I worked at Playboy magazine for about a year uh, after college. I worked in the PR and marketing department and when I was there which was kind of an interesting office because it was 70% women which I found fascinating wow yeah and I was terribly like socially awkward when I when I started working there and I was raised by them I I described myself as like a midwestern puppy raised by New York wolves Ah. right so you know they kind of you know there's like a collection of the women that used to work there that taught me like how to drink whiskey and what to do here and what to do there they're all great um yeah, but when I was there, I met people from the advertising industry. Yeah, and they introduced me to the work of Marshall McLuhan. You know, like "Medium is a Message," mm-hmm. uh, Ernst Dichter.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: motivating human behavior. Okay, and then how it also kind of interface with the works of Carl Jung. Okay, and I was like, okay,
0: the Red Book, the Red one Book, of my, right? Yes. Like
1: and and when I saw that they were using esoteric principles to create. Power in their advertising Start kind of watching everything with an active eye like the use of sex and death imagery the combination of sex and death how if if i were to show a person a picture of a nude woman yes they'd be compelled by it yes to a point yes if i show, show a person a picture of a skull they'd be compelled by it to a point yes if i show a person a picture of a naked woman but she has the makeup of a skull and i've combined the imagery of sex and death it's the combination of our need for procreation, mm-hmm. right? With our fear of destruction wrapped up into the same thing. Yeah. And now we are like drawn to that because it's the reconciliation of those opposites. So, you know, take a anyone listening now, open up a fashion magazine and look at how much of the imagery includes sex and death.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? I mean you can go to the work of Helmut Newton. Yeah. Full of that. Uh-huh. You know, right? Look at the uh, the film Eyes of Laura Mars, right? It goes to fade on away like that. When I saw that they were using these primordial things to get us to essentially buy shit we don't need. Yes. I started looking at things in a very active way and you know, looking at something like Twitter and saying, "Okay, you know, Jack," yes. put his name in quotes, "literally built a hive mind." Yes. Right, it's it's a mind that we share, and the the thoughts that we share have power there. Whether it's Pepe the Frog, that be, you know started out as a drawing of a kind of an average drawing of a cartoon frog, yeah. and became a symbol of white nationalism yes. by the time it was all done. Yes. right. Yes. How does a drawing of a cartoon frog have the equal power of a swastika? Yes. It's only because it's been. You know, promoted and embraced and redefined by the hive mind, by millions of individual minds have decided to redefine this image into a thing, and now it has this power. Yes. So, you know, you asked me earlier, you know, about the spookiness. That's really how I started. I needed to understand how all these things were affecting us all the time, consciously and subconsciously.
0: Wow. Well, my two favorite things are sex and death. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: I am a Scorpio after all. Ooh.
1: That's true. You know, like That's true. Yeah, Scorpio's. <laughs>
0: It's the sign of sex, death. Like I have the tattoo on on the back of my shoulder that says to love us to die. You know, I'm <sighs> <clears throat> and again it's it's um it makes me think of art and it makes me think of commerce, right? Mm. And it's I love how this is one of the few conversations that I get to have that I feel is um, so intuitively connected. You know, um, there aren't... The the foundation is the same where it makes me think... The reason that I desire to go up to Lauren Bacall and speak with her Hmm. is because... She had affected me greatly. Her Mm. performances had affected me greatly. Um, Who I had seen from, you know, whether it was reading her autobiography or whatever, you know, who she had become. Right. The kind of woman she was. A woman that seemed to be a quote-unquote outsider that the Academy never really paid any mind to. Mm-hmm. You know, one who utilized her voice. She was
1: so strong.
0: So strong. In,
1: in a time when it was difficult for a woman to be that strong. Yes. And that sexual. Yes. And that smart.
0: Yes. And those are all of the women that I've, I've um, looked up to. You know, is women that um, were on the quote-unquote fray because I always felt on the fray. And... And she didn't know me from Adam, nor did I expect her to. Right. You know, but my um, desire to um, share with her Mm -hmm. what she had brought to me um, was just that. It was a desire to share with her what what she had what i'd received i'd received a great deal from her and um it was up to her whether or not she was going to receive <laughs> sure what i was giving her in that moment and i think that there's something to be said too about it's that micro of the macro, right? So when uh, I remember almost, I remember almost every single instance, at least within this past year, when people have stopped me, and people have come up to me, and people have said something to me, um, because I remember the conversations, because I remember the stories that are attached, mm-hmm. because they had an experience of a film that I had done. Or they've had an experience with something that I've said on this podcast. Or they've had an experience and I've touched something within them. They've received something from me with a Twitter thread that I've written. Or an essay that I've written. And I don't do this. Um, I don't do the podcast. I don't write. I don't act to be quote-unquote liked i i really do it because i feel compelled to and because it just intuitively feels correct and it doesn't feel like work um and that's not to say that there's like not a lot of energy and not a lot of time and not a lot of blood sweat and tears that go into it And so knowing that someone has received what I've said, what I've written, ba-ba-ba, is incredible, and I feel grateful, um, and I feel humble. However, and this is the point, sometimes like I need a second to get to the thing, is that um, <clears throat> the intention behind anything that I do is not based off the desire to be received. Right. Because I've already been received. I've already been seen. Sure. Um, and, and so the giving is purely just to give mm-hmm. um, with no thought of anything in return and with that getting to understand and and it makes me think of everything that's happened tonight with uh uh what's that i think crackle um and then with LA weekly and also FYI just side note if you are a writer and you're seeing things on Twitter or on Facebook or on whatever, where it's like LA Weekly is asking you to send things, send us your essays, send us your thing, ba 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 Do not do it. You know, like your words have value, your your talent has value, um, and you are allowed to ask for compensation for that
1: she's absolutely right if someone intends to make a profit off of your work which they do then you deserve to get paid for your work it's not a benevolent collective and the exposure won't matter because we all know they're not paying anyone to do anything so being part of that paradigm isn't going to make your work uh, more valuable mm-hmm. for people. You know, they've sullied the their ability to promote writers by essentially saying, we don't want anyone who feels like they need to get paid for their writing. Yes. So it invalidates the in- entire concept of being exposed through that paradigm. So just ignore that and let that go.
0: Yeah, ignore it, let it go, and just know that you're... And and this goes back to the bigger thing, right? Where <clears throat> we've been talking about the blue check mark. We've been talking about, mm. you know, all of this stuff. And I really do believe, and I've said this again and again on this podcast. Um, but I really do believe that our biggest desire is to be. Received and held in love to be seen and held in love. Sure. And our biggest fear is that we are going to be seen (laughs) and we're going to find out that the biggest fear that we have about ourselves, which is that we are unworthy of love. Right. Is going to be made true. Yeah. We're going to find out that that's actually the truth. And so, and that, that feeling of unworthiness is uh, manufactured it's not something that i feel we're innately born with no, i feel like that's something that we're absolutely taught and especially in this western culture where um we're taught to keep our heads down to remain humble mm. humility is a virtue and we're not allowed to toot our own horn and especially if you're a woman um sure. especially if you're a woman but you're supposed to keep your head down be humble not ask for too much um and just kind of sully the winds and ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba and hope for the best and that if you're if you're really doing a good job someone's going to notice that
1: or someone's going to notice they're going to Someone's going to notice you and, in, in your humility and they're going uh, to bequeath you the status of of a special person.
0: Yeah, yeah, and God forbid you ask for what you're owed, right? Because the truth is, you know, um, how do you determine one's worth? How does does an individual determine one's worth? And I really do believe, you know, I'm very, very, very... um, elementary in in regards to um speaking about capitalism however um especially within this last year and these last few months getting to see how um capitalism is is almost right it it's it's evil it's a, it's an evil evil thing you know um <clears throat> where the, the very few hold an incredible amount of power. Mm-hmm. And I i keep on saying, I brought this up before in a podcast, but it's true. Um, You know, you have the EMT that is pissed off at the person that's working at a fast food place being like, why the fuck are you asking for $15? Because you're not doing the job that I'm doing. Right. Um, And it's infighting. the the workers are infighting um, versus being like, Hey, hold that thought guys, the holidays coming up. So you know what that means? A lot of shopping for your two-legged companions and for your four. Now, luckily I feel very grateful that I don't really have to go shopping for my animals this year because they get a gift every month thanks to BarkBox, which is a company that delivers four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. Like one theme is Country Fair. Another month, the theme would be Bark Ball or Pooh York City or Brooklyn Hipster or Mardi Gras, which is my personal favorite. They really love the toys from that month. And because they love them so much, I was able to find it again on BarkShop.com. So if you do have a four-legged companion and you're wondering what to get them for the holidays, I think you should get them BarkBox and you can choose a plan that is one month, six month, or 12 month, and you can cancel anytime and it's free shipping and it comes right to your door and they ship on the 15th of the month. And like I always say, who doesn't love a mid month surprise? And it comes in three sizes, small and cute, 0 to 20 pounds, which is what Tagalog gets, Just Right, which is 20 to 50 pounds, which Nanea gets, or Big and Bold, which is the box that Henry used to get. So you guys are also going to get something really special, which is for a free extra month of BarkBox, you can visit BarkBox.com forward slash shut up when you subscribe to a sixth or 12 month plan. Again, for a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com forward slash shut up when you subscribe to a sixth or 12 month plan. I promise you, your pups will love it. You will love it for four-legged friends that give so much unconditional love. This is, this is my way of of giving back and on top of that support BarkBox box because they are concerned with all dogs, even dogs that don't have a human to call their own. So they support shelters, rescues and nonprofits across the U S and because they support those dogs that don't have homes. I happily support them. <laughs> why are you getting pissed off at like the dude that's doing something else that's asking for a livable wage when you should be actually pissed off at like the fucking board of the hospital that's determining uh, what you're worth. Where they're saying you're actually only worth $15 an hour as an EMT. Well, well,
1: this kind of speaks to the fallacy of the the dualities we have in our country, right? Hmm. So... When people say socialism versus capitalism, yeah. they're already buying into this idea that only capitalism could exist in a society mm. or only socialism yeah. could exist in a society. Yeah. Right? It would be like taking the context of uh, of Yang and Yin and saying, no, 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 it can only be one or the other. Can't or like, be and. Or like Shakti and Shiva. Mm. No, 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 you must pick one or the other. Or like light and dark, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, what we have in America isn't a capitalist society, it's an oligarchical fascism mm. that sometimes allows other people to become rich, mm. right? Yeah. It's It's a rule of the few, right? It's literally a group of people, a small group of people, are determining the social mobility of other people through the systems they have built. Yes. And they call this capitalism. Yes. Right? Yes. If we were truly a capitalist society, yeah. then how come it's incredibly difficult for people to sell marijuana in states where marijuana is legal? Right? If we were truly a capitalist society, we would make it easier for people to buy, buy vape products. Yes. Right, but yes. we're not. It's yes. oligarchical fascism. Yes. So we say it's capitalism, but it's not capitalism if need one people should quit smoking. Need two. Here is device and and uh, machine content that can help them quit smoking. Yes. Affect three, the companies that make the cigarettes yeah. try to destroy. Those things. That's not a capitalist society. Yeah. That's not the battlefield of ideas. Yeah. It's a, a group of uh, people who have a lot of power determining what can and cannot happen, and they wrap it up in this idea of capitalism. It's it's a fallacy to think that socialism and capitalism cannot coexist within the same yeah. society. Yeah, yeah. Because they do other places. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, people have businesses – in so-called socialist societies. Yes. What they're talking about isn't the only economic theory. It might be what they consider the dominant economic theory. Yes.
0: Yes. And I feel like a lot of people have a misconception in regards to what socialism looks like. Absolutely. Um, and they they also have a a misidentification in terms of what fascism looks like. Absolutely, you know, and and as you were talking about, you know, the hive mind, and uh, you know, again, blue check marks, like like anything, you know, words hold power, you know. So you were talking about the, the Pepe the Frog, right? Pepe, yeah, Pepe the Frog, Pepe the Frog, um, and and the blue check, the the swastika and then it, it it makes me think of when i think of fascism i think of stalin sure i think of hitler hmm. you know um, i i now i think of trump right um but i i before that i i i wouldn't have thought that in uh, about a sitting us president right you know um <clears throat> but that's also i i feel that the gift and the benefit of getting older and, and getting to, I was just, so to you guys, the audience, I was just reading, um, Brian, a segment from women who run with the wolves, which is an incredible book. If you haven't read it, I suggest that you read it. I will put it in my show notes,
1: <laughs> show, notes. Um, show
0: notes. And, um, you know, d- 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 In this chapter that I was reading, which was about the red shoes, the author, uh, I think her name is Clarissa something Estes, um, was talking about getting to be a a part of the group without losing yourself in the group. Mm -hmm. Never. And it makes me think of Jesus where he talks about, um, I'm, I am. In the world, but not of the world. Or I'm of the world, not in the world. It's one of the two. Um, Where it's... You can interact, but not solely be a part of. Not lose yourself to. Mm -hmm. um, Or within the group. And... (laughs) We all want to be able to afford to have a home. Hmm. We all want to be able to afford to care for ourselves or our loved ones if we get sick. Hmm. We want to be able to afford to go on a few vacations. Hmm. Like a vacation once a year. Twice a year, maybe. Sure. You know, we want to be able to afford to... Be happy and live. And in this country, it's uh, the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. And it's not a guaranteed destination. It's not a guarantee that like the happiness will come and i I feel like that it's 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 one of the most heartbreaking things because i I feel like we get so incredibly lost and where we can't think of anything else other than we we literally become automatons where it's you take, like, an average family, two or three children living in, you know, Des Moines, let's say. Right? Um, And we're not even then talking about, you know, well, have they completed high school? Have they completed college? Are we talking about um, an interracial couple? Are we talking about a white couple? Are we talking about... You know, people of color, like ba 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 ba, but it's it, like getting to work a job, getting to work two jobs. There's there's so many different fucking like it's <sighs> when the individual life becomes something that seems so insurmountable. Sure, like living why why are you living? Why are you alive? Why are you here? Why are you going to the job? Why are you doing the thing? Well, I've gotta put food on the table okay I've gotta pay rent okay like I've just gotta make it till tomorrow I've gotta make it till next week I've gotta make it till next month um and it doesn't get better and it doesn't get better and it doesn't get better because nobody has the fucking time to sit and stop and think. And to your point, like it's all about, like most people, it's all about action. It's not about thoughts.
1: Um, Thoughts are, are dangerous. And so we, we, we already devalue thought with the way that we raise our children. Children are not raised to value philosophy. If you're going to be taught any philosophy, it's going to be in college somewhere.
0: It's the only reason I would ever want to have a fucking child.
1: Where you're you're already not getting most of the populace because most people can't afford to go. Yes. Right. Yes. So you're getting a very select group of people. Yes. But even in college, the, the power of a degree in philosophy is very small. People will say, no, 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 no. I'm more interested... In a person who's been studying business, which is basically just business math, Mm -hmm. right? I'd rather have that person become a bedrock of my company than someone that's been studying Aristotle for four years. And that's ludicrous. Because it's much easier to teach the person who's been studying Aristotle how to do a spreadsheet than it is to teach the business grad why the poetics are important, Mm. right? Mm. It's – but we've devalued – philosophy in our lives. You know, when you go to a university, look at the etymology of the word. It literally is a school of the universe. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. the whole point. Was that you were going somewhere so you were going to learn about all of these universal concepts and how you could apply them in many different ways. And philosophy was a a deep part of that. It was an essential part of that. Now we charge kids $45,000 a year and up to sort of learn a trade and get a certificate? You know? Like, that's what you sort of do? And if someone says, well, I want to study philosophy, well, there's no point in doing that. Where's the pragmatic point in doing that? Mm -hmm. And that's because if people started thinking, they'd realize how ridiculous a lot of the stuff is, a lot of the ways that we're taught to live. Yeah. We're we're taught to live in ways that will not make us happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) Right? We're herded in to these ideas that will not make us happy. And if we stop to reflect, like, for instance, uh, conservatives versus Democrats, right? Well, the problem I have with conservatives begins with the word. Because if you're a conservative, you're implying that there's a permanent scarcity Mm Mm-hmm. That requires conservation. Yes. So it's literally a mindset. Yes. In order to be a conservative, you're saying, nope, 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 scarcity. Yes. I'm starting in a place of there's not enough. Yes. Well, you're not going to breed generosity and compassion and humanity when you're starting from a place where the first principle is there is not enough. Right? And we don't think about what these words mean. You know, what these – these things these rituals that we go through what they're really about right you know like you're you're a storyteller right you're an actor right you tell stories storytelling is magic yes that's all it ever has been yes when mankind was sitting around the fire scared of the darkness scared that the the crops of winter weren't going to return yeah a story came to not only explain that phenomena but the story literally dissolved the fear. Yes, it's a spell. Yes, right? Yes. Like words are just symbols. Yes. If I were to write the word love on a piece of paper and show it to you, you would have an emotional reaction to it.
0: But if I didn't but if I didn't know how to read,
1: you didn't know how to read, you didn't understand the symbols, yeah, you, you wouldn't right? It's just a collection of lines. Yes. that's all it is. The alphabet yes. is just a collection of lines and sounds. Yes. Lines and sounds that we attribute meaning because of the way we organize them. All of this is, is is magical, right? All of this goes back to hermetics and some of the core uh, principles of things, uh, right? Take Harry Potter. Harry Potter, if if you were to flash forward 500 years or 200 years into the future, yes. Harry Potter would be recognized as a religion mm. because a society 200 years from now might not be able to tell the difference because it has everything a religion has. It has a creation myth. It has its holy texts. Mm-hmm. It has its sacred spaces. Mm-hmm. It has its rituals of participation.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, it's got all of those things. Star Wars is just a religion.
0: Yes.
1: It has become the same as a religion. I'm not criticizing it. I'm I'm saying this is what happens when people understand the power of symbology. J.K. Rowling understands how this stuff works. Oh,
0: fuck yes. That's
1: how she created that stuff. George Lucas understood how this stuff yes. works. Yes. And so do the corporations. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so do these places that you know, uh, create these these products and these messages and this stuff. And I'm involved in entertainment. I write scripts I and mean, the, whole, the whole fucking thing of it. But it's important to understand what the stuff is doing to us. And if we were to engage philosophy, if we were to say, hey, we as a culture should take time to consider what we're consuming, what it's doing to us, mm-hmm. we would challenge some of these paradigms.
0: Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Know? So
1: they have to – Make us ignore it and sweep it under the rug because it threatens kind of everything, you know, that they're doing. Um, and that's why I think it's really important for people, if you're interested in anything that we're talking about, you know, you know, have a, have a read of some of this stuff. Take a look at Aristotle if you haven't. Take a look at Plato if you haven't. Because this stuff will help you deal with the pressure that our society is always exerting on yes. us
0: absolutely and i would also i would also say this um you know take a and this is just for me you know because the bookshelf like right now is and
1: you can't see it it's a marvelous bookshelf <laughs> there's there's awesome stuff on all of the rows of books and they're, and they're books that she's read. Like, like for, for those listening, they're not just books collected where they're all pristine and they haven't been touched at all. And these ah. books are dog-eared and faded. Yeah. These are books with, with bindings that have been through the ringer. She's read these books.
0: Yeah. It's, and, you know, there's, like, I'm, I'm looking at, like, The Words and Wisdom of Florence Govelshen. Mm-hmm. Like an incredible, incredible book. Have you? Read I haven't him? read it. Familiar, but I'll give it. it to you before you leave. I'd
1: love to. I'd love to. Um, book. I'd love to.
0: So, and I have like the Magdalene manuscript, which was a channeled ma- manuscript about like Mary Magdalene. Sure. Um, which is incredible. Um, also have sacred. Oh, can we pause
1: on the? Can we drop anchor on Mary Magdalene for a second?
0: Yes, please. Okay. Let's go.
1: And again, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't reject any belief system. I'm, I'm just kind of applying some Socratic thought to it. It, one, I think it's important for everyone listening to know. Mm. There is nothing in the Bible that says Mary Magdalene was a, a whore. whore.
0: She's not a whore. <laughs> there's n-
1: and there's nothing in the Bible. No, no, side point. I'm not saying that if someone is a whore, they are a bad person.
0: And also, what does that even mean?
1: What does that even mean, Right. But there's nothing in the Bible that says this. So, you know, thinking about what happens when you when you sit down and start considering things. If Jesus was God incarnate in man so that God could bridge the gap between man and him, humankind uh, and him, by placing himself in man to suffer what men suffer, to experience what men experience. Mm-hmm would it not stand to reason that romantic love would have to be part of what Christ experienced? How could God incarnate in man without having romantic love, right? It wouldn't make any sense. You'd be missing kind of half of the point or maybe even the total point of life in a way because romantic love can lead to procreation, which keeps the species alive. So,
0: And wait, I just want to add an amendment to that. Mm. Um, Is that because... <clears throat> romantic like experiencing love period experiencing that sacred union whether it is a man and a woman a man and man absolutely. a woman and a woman because i just heard like procreation i was like whoa
1: absolutely yeah. it's in love and procreation do not require it's and not also, the same
0: but also like with that too what are you procreating
1: what are you procreating when I when I when I say procreation I don't just mean the biological act of making a baby. Yeah. What I'm talking but about is But most people do. So is, I wanted
0: to get right. that right. Let going. me
1: clarify this. I mean the the thing that is created when two people love each other, yes. right? Yes. Whatever that that thing that energy yes. is, right? Yes. Yes. Um it would stand to reason that Christ would have to love someone and be loved uniquely by someone in order to understand what humankind goes through. So the Magdalene is a necessary part of Christ's story, maybe even the most necessary part.
0: Yeah. Right? Absolutely.
1: And so much of society. It's just built on making sure that women don't have any power. Mm-hmm. It's like Lilith. No one ever teaches anyone about Lilith.
0: And uh, a, <laughs> a, a, amen.
1: Talk about Lilith.
0: amen to that and that. And the only thing, because like Lilith, you know, was considered a demon in the Bible. However, she just wanted to be treated like an equal.
1: Her only, her, her, her only transgression is wanting to be equal.
0: Yeah, wanting to be on top.
1: And because sexually. of
0: that,
1: everything, you know, sudden infant death syndrome, everything attributed, you know, to this biblical figure. Yeah. Who was is, is named as demon because uh, she wanted to be equal. It's for for people, for young women especially, it is important to understand that a lot of these societal constructs are designed to separate you from your power.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it- A fucking men.
1: You know, it's it's the fact that we have a term for the first lady already tells women, well, this would be your role in the White House. Yeah. Right? Because you know, when now we say, well, there could be a first husband if 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 you know someone, you know, Hillary had gotten elected. But we don't really codify that with society. We don't really invest society with the concept of that. We don't let people think about that. We have taught people from the time that they're young that the president would be a man and his wife would be called the first lady. Mm-hmm. It's in the storybooks. Yes. Right? We don't teach the other side of that. Yeah, no. And how do you expect people that are raised with this paradigm to suddenly shed it in adulthood when they have to go vote?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And all, it's it's so much of the stuff is designed that way. Uh, um, that's why I try to apply a critical eye to, to many, many, many things. You know, it's it's just systems of control. You know, like there's. There's also an economic motivation to homophobia because homophobia, a lot of it is just, just root prejudice, but some of it is the feeling that if we allow adults of the same sex to fall in love and these adults decide not to have children, they might have too much money. And from the money that those dual incomes have, they will now have freedom and control, right? Think about how many people have to put aside measures of their lives because they've had children and now they can't afford anything else. And I'm not against having kids. Have kids if you want to have kids. If you're a homosexual couple, adopt kids. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying when people have the ability to consider what they will do with their resources – then they might do something that doesn't support the societal construct that holds everybody down.
0: Yeah, uh, like, I, I, A, completely agree with that, and, B, I would say, you know, that also goes, though, to a woman's right to choose, Oh, right? absolutely, right. It goes to the idea that, um, and, and that goes deeper to... <clears throat> The quote unquote puritanical view of of sexuality and ba blah, blah, blah and like woman's empowerment a woman's choice da 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 da, da. um <clears throat> where hey <sighs> i feel that. I'm taking a second because I I just had a myriad of thoughts, um, you know. Again, I I don't know everything. Um, I don't even know half of everything <laughs> you know i I know some things, and it's but I know this <laughs> what I know for sure by Heather Matarazzo, not Oprah um. <laughs> <laughs> um I I know what it feels like to have no voice. I know what it feels like to be in fear. I know what it feels like to be in terror. Hmm. I know what it feels like to be in constrictive rage. Right. And I say constrictive very specifically because... Um, It really is just another term for feeling completely powerless and not knowing where to swing Hmm. because what you're swinging at is essentially air. Um, And in terms of LGBTQ plus community and, and... Babies and procreation and, and, and all of this stuff, you know, um, I feel that at the end of the day, if you were a gay white male, hmm. you're you're gonna be given a a slight nod by the straight white men
1: mm-hmm.
0: in 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 the sense of all right all right, I don't want to stick my dick in your ass, but I don't agree with it, but all right, you know because sure. it's the i see that you found uh a way around the quote unquote game like, right. Like that's that's like the acceptance part, right? Um, and then and, and again, it's 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 that classism because if 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 you're a, if you're a gay white male hmm. and you come from a privileged background and you have a family that loves you. And you're able to go to college and then you're able to do X, Y, and Z and be like the head of a company. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was hard because I was called fag and I was beat up and blah, blah, blah and all this shit. But like, yeah, but you're still doing well for yourself now. Right. Right. And then you have a person of color who is a gay man, you know, who has it a hundred times fucking harder, you know? And then you have a white lesbian, you know? And then you have a person of color who's a lesbian. And, like, fucking fuck. (laughs) You know? Like, there's no... There's... uh, You know, like... I feel that we get so hooked onto our own tragic story, right? And and, and please, 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 I, I'm putting like a huge um, footnote thing, ba 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 bumper thing, This is the point. <clears throat> is that when we are so combative with each other in terms of like the tragedy Olympics of who has it worse, well, it's the same thing as like the EMT with like the person that's making 15 bucks an hour, like working in the fast food joint where it's like, well, I have it worse. No, I have it worse and ba bah ba as opposed to, and we get lost within that myriadic cycle.
1: Well, that's the that's the problem of oligarchical control because the first thing that any oligarchy wants to impart on society is that you no group can be happy unless some other group is miserable. Is miserable. Yes. So everything gets put in opposition. Yes. Right. Yes. So if women are asserting themselves then the plight of men of colour getting killed must lose something. So now these things have to be set in opposition. Yes. But then among the women that are asserting themselves, if white women are asserting themselves, then women of color won't be able to to speak because we have to we have to pick and choose and and all of that is designed to keep movements from becoming cohesive. Yes. Right? Exactly. It's it's all designed to keep people from working together in concert. Exactly. Because they know that their strength in numbers. Yes. It's like if you look at the 60s, people didn't get assassinated when they were just marching for things. <laughs> the assassinations happened when they started unifying the proletariat. Mm-hmm. Right? When people started unifying the poor of all colors, that's when the bullets came. They let you take a small group and, and wage war from, from a from a very specific place with a very small insular group of people. Yes. Because they can always demonize that and then use yes. that to get more power. Yes. Yes. Right? But the moment something becomes a larger movement, the moment you have Bobby Kennedy meeting with Dr. King and meeting with Cesar Chavez. Yes. Then bullets have to come for everybody. Yes.
0: <laughs> because yes. we can't have that. Yes.
1: Because yes. because the, the we're we're in a society where we're given a myth of social mobility. And we're taught this myth that if we simply work hard enough, we're going to achieve a result. And that's is, bullshit. It's absolute nonsense. Bullshit. It's, it's absolute nonsense. Yes. Um, and when people don't get to where they're trying to go, it leads to feelings of shame. Because I, I was working under the idea that if I worked hard enough, I would achieve. So if I haven't achieved... I must not have worked hard enough,
0: Yes, or in the defensive op- because it's either it's either shame or blame, mm-hmm, you know, so it's either I either haven't worked hard enough or there must be something inherently wrong with me right um, So I now have to blame this group or this group because they might or be taking group. it from me. Because that's the reason why.
1: That's the reason why.
0: That's the reason why when it actually is not the fact that you aren't good enough and it's not the fact that somebody else is trying to take your job. It's the fact that um, this is the construct that allows um, America to continue the way that America has been and the truth is and I said this last night to my partner or actually I need to give my partner credit because I don't know why I keep on saying fucking partner Heather. Um, <laughs> um, maybe it's just more intimate and it makes me feel things. Um, I love her so much. Anyway, I digress. But the point is, is that it, oh, We know what this country was built upon. Hmm. It was built upon the genocide of an entire nation's of people. The brutal enslavement of another. You know.
1: By a cultist who wanted to escape a monarchy. <laughs> that's just history. That's not some weird thing. Yeah, no, 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 that's no. Just actual history.
0: And with that, you know... You have... Because I'll see, like, random, like, posts about, like, the Irish were treated, blah, blah, blah. And, like, my fucking birth dad is Irish. Sure. You know, like, I'd, I'm i fucking... I'm 87.1% British and Irish. And then there's, surprisingly, some French and German splattered in there. And some Northern European. um. But... Within that, you know, it, like racism, sexism, homophobia, Islamophobia. It's. I've got it really bad, but I don't have it as bad as. I've got it really bad, but I'm better than. Sure. Um, And it's the the lie that keeps on perpetrating itself and uh, uh, people either wake up to the fact that it's a lie Mm -hmm. and they start to um, work towards continuing to wake themselves up and thus waking other people up. You know, like Matt McGorry, I think, is like a prime example. You know, um, I feel like I'm a prime example um in terms of they talk about like social justice warriors um but it's it's not about social justice it's it's really just getting to wake up to the truth it's getting to um call a thing a thing and and getting to speak the truth about the lie
1: well the you know the the fact that we have a modifier on the word justice right like justice should be the goal of a society
0: yeah and what is justice though
1: right and so and and kind of peeling back the layers of it it's the moment a society turns justice into a dirty word you've got to look at where a society is headed mm-hmm. right like you know and we, we, we're led into these camps. Corporate entities pit these camps against one another, so that no one pays attention to the few people who actually benefit from the way this system works.
0: It just makes me. It makes me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, please. You. No, I. I want you to continue, and I'll say what I. But I. I'll say it later.
1: What what we would do well to understand is that we are all connected to everyone and everything else. And the reason why a straight man should care about what happens to gay people, there I mean, are a lot of reasons, but one of them is that that cruelty will always eventually find its way to your doorstep in some form. Amen. Right? If... If you're worried about crime, then you should fight for a society that gives people more opportunity because then there will be less crime. Right? You know, if, if you're worried about violence or anger or threat to your future or the children or the nation or what have you, then the fact that any group within that nation says, this nation might be poised against me, I feel like I have less value here. Mm-hmm. That should concern you. Mm-hmm. You should want to repair that mm-hmm. because that's going to make your nation weaker. Mm-hmm. In pragmatic terms, people from these groups will be your soldiers, your police, mm-hmm. your EMTs, You know, your, your people that you will at some point depend on. And you want everyone to feel as if they have a stake in the society in which we share. We don't live in isolation. Isolation is a myth. We're not isolated from anything. What happens to you, Heather, happens to me. Mm-hmm. Right? mm mm-hmm. You know? And so we've created this false paradigm where people think that somehow, well, if I have more money than these people, then what happens to them doesn't really affect me until it does. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh and so these things are things that we we need to table and think about, and we need to reject all of these different hierarchies. Yeah. That that are given us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, and but but that goes back to, <sighs> like I I a side note, just have to say this is probably one of the most lovely conversations I've had in a long time
1: oh it's very kind thank you um
0: i I love this conversation so much and and I feel like you and I are on the same exact wavelength you know um it 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 makes me think though you know i was having a, i was having a thought last night I did smoke some pot before I had this thought, you know but it it made me think of like a a white police officer.
1: Hmm. Of which I know many.
0: And it made me think of him being a quote-unquote rookie. Right. And it made me think of him being in high school, having friends who were people of color, blah, 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 not thinking of himself as racist. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on the quote-unquote beat um and really just wants to protect the protect everybody just doesn't look at color doesn't look at this doesn't look at that um but he has a partner cuz he needs to have a partner because that's how you're taught um and thinking of if he encountered a person of color who was like quote unquote disrespectful you know, and his first reaction was, why aren't you respecting me?
1: Right. You right.
0: know, um, and and there and there that first seed is planted. Mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I was then thinking of like the argument that a lot of white people give, which is, well, like you got to be respectful of all police and blah, 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 blah. And like. I was thinking like, yeah, no, but you also have to be respectful of like history. You have to be respectful of like a nation's story, like a a people's story, you know, and how did it come to be that like we are where we are?
1: Well, how... If you think about what police really are, right? So police, which are,
0: are, sorry,
1: um, what were you gonna say? I don't want to interrupt you.
0: I was gonna say that they were um, essentially they were slave catchers. That's the origin of police.
1: In, In in practice, yeah, the origin of the police were they were you know they were catching they were catching slaves, but for the purposes of this. Let us think about the police as the first executors of the law. Yes. Law is always predicated on a philosophy of justice. Yes. That's where law comes from. We do not require our police officers to study any philosophy. We do not require them to do anything except learn the mechanics of enforcing the law. We we don't teach them to empower their perspective. Now, many do, right? But there's some basic truths about our world that should be factored in to how we think about crime and criminality. There's a huge difference between fighting criminals and fighting crime, right? They're not one the same. They do not mean the same thing. Yeah. I have been through many, many bad neighborhoods. I have uh, met people in my research for some of my work who've been involved in criminality, I can tell you a couple things uh, for certain. One, there are no cocaine fields in the American inner cities. They do not grow cocaine there. (laughs) Ah! The cocaine comes from other places. Yes. And there are not people of color flying these planes. Yes. Right? (laughs) Yes. So, So, you know, that's point one. Point two, there are no gun factories in inner cities right there's there's if you think about the commerce of crime Mm. the ugliest layer of it is what we see on the street yeah but that is not where the commerce begins and ends yes that's just those are the pawns on the chessboard yes who always get taken off the board first yes but there's an ecology here yeah right i mean this stuff has to come from hundreds thousands Thousands of miles away it has to get refined through a process, flown into the country, and distributed into these places. It is not easy to do this without a great deal of help. You know, we you can also think about something like the DEA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The The hardest thing for any organization to do is work towards its own obsolescence. Mm-hmm. If the DEA is successful, we won't need one anymore. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that individual DEA agents are just kind of turning a hamster wheel. No, I think they actually do care about the job that they're doing. But as a system, mm-hmm. right, as an ideology, it needs to survive. Yes. And I've been experimenting with, with the thoughts about ideologies and thinking about ideologies as sentient beings. Yeah. Right? Like if, if enough people believe in a thing, can that thing live and breathe in a way? Yeah. And and beings want to survive. Mm. So what you have in a lot of these things that feel Sisyphean, right? That you push the rock up the hill and the rock comes mm-hmm. back down, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like this wheel of futility. It really is. We have a few paradigms that require people and ideologies and and thought forms and and different you know apparatuses to work towards their own obsolescence. Yes, and they won't. Yes. So we wind up with a police force that, simultaneously, while trying to fight criminals, isn't empowered to do much about fighting crime.
0: Yeah, well, because they don't even know what the crime is.
1: Because they don't know what they, they don't they. You know they're they're not they're not led into this thought because that could challenge a system. Yes, you know? and God forbid. God forbid that happen. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 the way that we, we other things all of the time um, and we're dehumanizing each other and all of it is creating this kind of sense of fear because fear drives people to buy things, drives mm-hmm. people to vote for people. You know, like, I grew up in Missouri, so I know a lot of Trump voters. And it's amazing how different people experience the same land, right? And the, and the different fears that people hold. Yeah. And it was easy for me as a black uh, American to look at someone from Missouri, a white, you know, Midwestern person and say, well, you're inherently safer than me. You inherently have more protections than I do. But then they would look at me and be like, yeah, but you're this successful writer. You, you know, you work in Hollywood. You're more valued than I am in society. And it's like, okay, well, clearly this is a problem of us not talking to each other enough. Yes. Right? We're just not. We're not communicating. Yes. we, We turn on our station of choice. I prefer Rachel Maddow. Other people prefer Sean Hannity. Yeah. They go home. They they eat their dinner. They they get their stuff. I get my stuff. I get all ginned up. Rachel gets me all ginned up. Sean gets them all ginned up. And then we don't want to communicate with one another. But that's why what you're doing, Heather, with this podcast is great. Like this is the way – because I want to be positive. I don't want to end on a negative note. So this is the way we change all of this is by people getting together, talking out ideas, listening to one another – using the power of social media and the internet of new media to create a whole different environment where we can engage these things openly yes. and freely yes. outside of what's dictated and coming to us downstream. Yes,
0: yes, yes. You know, it, <clears throat> it makes me think of this, and I feel very compelled to share it. I actually don't know that I have before. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, I actually haven't before, because I had the hive mindset. Right, sure. I did. I really, really did. You know, so <clears throat> I got sober when I was twenty one years old. Hmm. And I was sober until well, no, twenty one twenty two. Uh August first, two thousand five was my sobriety day. And I was sober until November of
1: 2016.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I bring this up very specifically. <clears throat> so, <sighs> the reason that I got sober was not because I had lost my apartment or I had lost friendships or lost money or like whatevs you know i just was at this point in my life where i i was lost right i felt lost Hmm. and you know i had tried at the time i was dating somebody who was born again christian and I had gone to like gay Bible study. I had done all of this shit. And were they trying
1: like, to to convert you?
0: No, I was just I was just trying to find a way to make the pain stop. Sure. I was just trying to find a way. I was trying to find the thing that would be the solve. On the wound.
1: Hmm.
0: And for me, AA was, ended up being that thing. Hmm. And I didn't know anything about AA. And I went and I ended up staying for over 11 years. And and again, like, you know, I've said this before, like, it was very helpful. It, it helped in a lot of ways. And also within that, though, it's that at what price and what cost, mm-hmm. right? Where, because I was, because A, I, I don't have any other experience except the experience of my life, you know, I can't say how it might have been different. Right. Had I gone down another path, you know, but I I get to look now and I I, I get to see that I was so desperate to find the balm that would soothe the wound, that Mm -hmm. would heal the wound, that I was willing to listen to just about anything. And every single thing that was said to me at the time made sense. Hmm. And in those moments where I started to rub up against the hive mind and started to detract and not agree was brought back to, well, you're an alcoholic. You have alcoholism. You can't trust your mind. Ooh. You're crazy.
1: Ooh, that's unfortunate.
0: No, you need to to pray and you need to write a gratitude list and you need to remember that... um, yeah, that like you have alcoholism, you're you're not a sane person, and it's I think like it's the second step, like we're the third step, like one of those things where it's like uh, we like <sighs> turned our will in our lives over the care of God is like we understood God, whatever the fuck, um, and that like step ten is like having returned to sanity. Hmm. You know, there's this like promise of being returned to sanity, um, but any time there was like a a thought that I would have that seemed to be outside of the quote unquote norm or the tenets of that specific group hive, it was well, you have alcoholism. There is always an answer, right? You know, um, which then would retract me back into fear and feelings of shame and feelings of guilt and blah, 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 and all this stuff and feeling suicidal and feeling depressed. And I would be like, well, I I just don't know. I'm, I'm praying and I'm meditating and I'm going to meetings and I'm sponsoring people and I'm being sponsored and doing all this stuff. And I don't know what to do. Well, like you just have to pray more and you have to be of more service and you have to do this and you have to do that and blah 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 and all this shit. Um and so as as you and I had talked about, you know, before we started recording, um, and as some of you know if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you know, I had that life changing moment where I um went to work with that therapist that that um, did MDMA-assisted therapy. And everything changed. Mm. Because nothing was being told to me. Right. It was an experience that I was getting to have. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an experience that was quote-unquote manufactured or being controlled by another
1: Sure, or contextualized. Yes.
0: It, you know. it, 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 it was so incredibly benevolent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so there was so much space with which to be. And I feel that the space of beingness is terrifying to most people because um, that is incredibly devalued. In our society,
1: well, it's it's devalued and and demonized, right? Like if you look at like the the work of someone like Aleister Crowley, for <gasps> instance.
0: Yes, my first my first fucking tarot deck was a Crowley was, deck. It was a Crowley deck, and then it mysteriously disappeared.
1: Yeah, it, that can happen.
0: Like fuck me,
1: Anakian work is is something else, right? It can sort of happen, and if you read the Book of the Law, yeah, you know. um you you see the the foundation of 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 his thought right you see this idea of trusting your desire to lead you to places that might be necessary for you to go yes he wasn't some madman you know he wasn't I mean, a satanist he wasn't a satanist um well, people uh, people equate Satan, Lucifer, and the devil into the same thing, and that's and all. And you know what's so funny? Anyway.
0: And also, hashtag side note: Lucifer means light.
1: Well, Jesus is described as like, Lucifer in some of the Greek versions of the Bible, right? Yeah. As a light bringer. It's the oversimplification of many, many things, yeah. right? and the demonization of anything that challenges uh, the the so called stability. Yes, you know of the construct. Yes, yes. and we're you know you know you and I are artists. We're we're who we are for a reason because we sort of found the molt where people will let us backstroke, right. <laughs>
0: I'm like well, they're okay. I'm like, where I'm like, I wish I had shoulders that
1: reflected <laughs> that backstroke, but whatever. They can think those things there in the dark forest because that's where the elves go, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's okay, but you don't want the elves coming inside of the kingdom, you know? And and you sort of find your your way to a place where, well, here it's okay to be something of a heretic because we're in a heretical, yes, you know, sort of culture. Yes, you know, and 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 getting there, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a a, a risk for sure in doing anything that challenges, you know, yeah, the, the system and the idea that y- you were asked to not trust your own mind, you know, yeah, to well, you just haven't you haven't subjugated your mind enough. See, the problem is you haven't you you haven't smothered and repressed yourself enough. So here's a bunch of tools of repression. So we're not teaching prayer as a way for you to connect to the divine. Yes. No, we're teaching you prayer as penance, as a tool of repression. We're not teaching you meditation as a way for you to connect with the eternal power of the universe, right, and your place within it and to feel that oneness. Hmm. You need to use meditation to repress all of these things. Yes,
0: exactly. And, and 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 that goes to the bigger thing, which is why, you know, I made the conscious choice to start drinking again because after my experience with the MDMA and I hmm. had the experience with ayahuasca, um, and again, neither one of those decisions were um, made lightly. They right. were... They were very heavy. It took me two years between it being first suggested by a therapist that I do ayahuasca because I was dealing with uh, suicidal ideation and depression and PTSD as a result of childhood sex trauma and also adult rape. (laughs) Um, You know, it, it, it took two years between the suggestion before I got to a point where I was like, I, I'm terrified that I really might kill myself, that I, I, I'm willing to go to a place that I've never gone before. And the same thing happened with like the MDMA though. It was a little easier for me because I'd taken such a huge leap with the ayahuasca and After the experience with the MDMA, where I didn't, I was brought back to self. Hmm. I was brought back to my innate knowing. Um, Like my knowing, Mm -hmm. I knew. And nobody could take that away from me. There was no altar with which I could sacrifice mm-hmm. my knowing to somebody else to say that wasn't so right um i would I would say that I knew it being burned at the stake, sure, and <clears throat> so based upon that experience of fucking true divine fucking knowing, I was like. I've been in an experience for 11 plus years now where people have been telling me, you know, not in a malicious way, you know, um, based on their own experience and whatever and life circumstance that if I drink, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I was like... I really do not believe that to be true. And I need to have this experience for myself that is made solely by me, for me. That I very well might be burning my house down, but at least I know at the end of the day that if it does burn down, I get to take responsibility for the fact that I'm the one that lit the match.
1: Well, you know, that's that sort of speaks to another social dogma. Mm. It is okay for a person to have a powerful initiation experience. Yeah. As long as it's shared mm. and supervised. Yes. Right we don't support people doing these things on their own. Yes. Privately. Because we can't control or contextualize that experience. (laughs) So you can be speaking in tongues. You know, I grew up in Missouri. I saw some speaking in tongues. Oh yeah. You can have a rapturous experience, but you're having it inside of a system that we allow. Now if one were to do, you know, something like ayahuasca or Salvia or, you know, uh uh, MDMA, DMT, whatever it is, like Terrence McKenna, you know, all that. Yeah. We demonize all of that because now people are having experiences that are unique to them that only they own. Yes. That can't be contextualized instantly by the preacher man, you know. Yes. You know, by the, 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 the woman or man of faith, by the system of faith. Yes. And they may come to conclusions which don't support The way the system works. Yes. So we have to make sure we interject and we demonize all of this stuff. Yes. Hence,
0: Schedule 1.
1: Sure. Yeah. Like,
0: hence, all of the regulations. And on top of that, it makes me think of, you know, um, censorship where it's, you can have, like, if there's, like, a random dude in Bluth, whatever the fuck, (laughs) you know, um That has an experience but doesn't have, quote-unquote, a lot of followers. Right. You know, doesn't have a, a quote-unquote, base. It's just the ravings of a single individual. But if you have gotten to have the experience where you've been privileged enough, to have a quote-unquote base, as it were, have people that actually might listen, Hmm. have people that actually might respond to what you're saying, then that's when you become dangerous. Um, Because I feel that the most dangerous individual is not somebody that, has the most followers it's the individual that helps to create the most thinkers
1: sure yeah
0: because god forbid if you make people think if you make people question and it leads them to well maybe i should
1: or maybe i won't buy that thing or do that thing yeah you know, maybe I'll reconsider. And we have these these little spurts of it. Now I'm not I'm I'm not one of those like everything is sort of tied into the Illuminati people. So don't get me wrong about this.
0: I was just accused of being of in, I was just accused of being in the Illuminati. In the Illuminati? Yes. Wow. I was like, wow. I don't want to be a part of a club. I, you know, that, you, that'll happen.
1: You, you might be. I <laughs> I don't know. You know, obviously you couldn't tell me if you were. So yeah. You know, uh, have to take your word for it. <laughs> but we we do have these these spikes where we start to reconsider this stuff. And then usually we go through some kind of experience that that shakes that a little bit.
0: A.K.A. War on Drugs.
1: War on Drugs, right? Or look at the 90s. Yeah. Look at all of the reflection that we were doing with music, you know, in like grunge culture, what was happening there. Look at the films, you know, we had films like The Matrix, mm-hmm. Fight Club, yes. right? The work of uh, Chaplinia, Patricia Highsmith, talented Mr. Ripley. We were questioning some of these things, and then 9/11 happened, and suddenly we went to Big Brother again to protect us. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there's a correlation there. It's just that when things happen that frighten us, we so quickly abandon the path we were taking to kind of question. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, because you we no at, longer feel safe.
1: Because you know, Trump's election was for many people a traumatic experience. Yes. You know, like it's 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 the thing where you will remember where you were when he was elected president.
0: Oh yeah, I remember exactly where I was.
1: That's the question. Instead of the Kennedy assassination, the yeah. question for for people our age is, where were you when you heard Donald Trump was elected? Yeah. Right, and it'll be this vivid point of trauma yeah. for a lot of people, and. When Obama was president, I'm not saying Obama was perfect because no politician is perfect. Uh, I have some issues with some of the things he did, of course. Um, but there was this sense that it was okay to press the edges of propriety yes. uh, a little. Yes. You know, to self-actualize. Yes. It, we, it was all right to do that. And And now we have a president that's fighting and railing against all of that all the time. Yeah you know i mean we i in a span of months we have dropped our moral understanding of the presidency we have now created an environment where literal sociopaths publicly defined as such can still be likely to win senate races in in states
0: Oh yeah, for sure, for right? sure, for sure, absolutely.
1: Like it's, we're we're in a world now where you would not instruct a child to emulate their president.
0: Oh yeah, like, think about that. Yeah, think and, about that. And and on and, and in, in in that sense, I would say that it's. I would say it's actually kind of a beautiful thing. Hmm. In this sense. In. I am a firm believer that sometimes you really do need to forget and you need to have the gift of forgetting in order to have the gift of remembering. Yeah. And I feel that the presidency of fuck (laughs) hat. You know is the ultimate gift of remembering. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are waking up. I feel a lot of people that thought they were quote-unquote woke right, are recognizing how not quote-unquote woke they were. <laughs>
1: right.
0: And, you know, even if you have like a quote-unquote fraction of people that are able to set aside their ego... And set aside their fear and say, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know. And now I know. Now I know some more.
1: And and this is the first time, you know, I can remember thinking that the president is incompetent.
0: Oh like, yeah. I've had
1: problems with presidents. Yeah. You know, I had some problems with Bush. I had problems with the other Bush. I had problems with Clinton. I you know, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I always thought that there was a basic level of competency. <laughs> this is the first time where I'm like, you know what? He can't do it. He he might not actually be able to do the job. Like forgetting like, you know, like the horror of the tax bill and the forget the Republican crazy vision of policy and all that. I'm put that to the side for a second. I'm not sure he can keep the donut shop from blowing up. Right? I'm oh, just yeah. I'm this is the first time I felt like, wow, we're all incredibly responsible as individuals and as a community for whether or not the country survives.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And that, I think, is a beautiful fucking thing because it's the – I I was just saying this last night where it's, you know, we're all, quote, unquote, created – in in one way or another, Mm -hmm. right? Where our our thoughts are, we're told what to think, not how to think. Mm -hmm. And that the men behind the curtain, you know, that quote unquote fell asleep on the job.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Where they'd, they'd gotten so used to being in power. Mm-hmm. And yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. What they didn't recognize was that a whole bunch of fucking people woke up from that poppy field. Yeah. <laughs> And are about to storm the proverbial
1: Oz. Well, it's like that—that—that that, that intersection of hard edge control and hope is a very delicate balance, and every fascist regime or or wannabe fascist regime um, has dealt with trying to maintain that balance. Because when that balance is upset, then they lose power.
0: Oh yeah,
1: right. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing. But we have to be very careful. I personally think that Trump isn't really the problem. The, the age of Trump isn't the problem. The problem is we cannot allow simply getting rid of a man like Trump to be okay and forget how we felt about the neocons and their modern day crusade, and the 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 land of endless wars and all of these things. Like my my concern is, because a lot of people have said, "Well, look, if there was oligarchical control over something, then why would they allow a man like Donald Trump to be president?" And my response is, "Well, they would do that because." Now they've set up this goal where if we simply get rid of him, everything is okay.
0: Yeah. So and we're not that is the <laughs> that is the lie that you shall and should not fall for.
1: So suddenly Mike Pence becomes all right. Mike Pence is a monster.
0: Mike Pence is worse than Trump. <laughs> right?
1: Like he's he's a monster. Yeah. You know? And he's confident. Yeah. Which is more terrifying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because he, he has I all know. of Trump's quote unquote strengths and none of Trump's weaknesses. That's right? why
0: John uh, Foglestein like impeach Pence, impeach Pence first.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's th- there's a there's a real problem there because he, you know, Trump is a sociopath. He's a narcissistic sociopath, from what I can tell. So. I don't think he has as a rudder. I think he's rudderless. He doesn't believe in anything except praising himself. I think, honestly, he would become the most woke president in the world if he thought it was going to make him more money and make him more beloved. He's just doing whatever he can for his own ego. Yeah. Pence is an actual ideologue who's a homophobe. Yep. And a racist. Yep. You know, who wishes to enforce these things all under the banner of some kind of hmm. extreme Christianity. It's it's dark.
0: A.K.A. he's, he's fucking gay. Um, I think that he is gay. I think that um, he is self-hating just like every other Republican who is secretly gay <laughs> or a child molester.
1: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a, we have to just remember not we can't make our belief system, we dislike this man or this administration. Yeah. we have to make our belief system based on our sense of morality and and then say we we will fight anything that seems to attack uh, this kind of universal justice, yes, right,
0: yes, yes, and it's also and and that's the thing is that it's not just fucking Republican versus Democrat, you know like. Here's the thing, I fucking like was a circuit for Bernie Sanders.
1: Right, right. I remember that. You I was sur- on, You were online, yeah, you were on Twitter. Yeah. yeah,
0: I was I was a fucking surrogate for Bernie Sanders. Would I do that now? Fuck no. I wouldn't do that now.
1: He seems like he might have some narcissism of his own yeah, in there. Like, right? <laughs> and
0: and don't fucking at me, fucking Bernie bros, or fucking do it. Like
1: Yeah,
0: bring it, bitch. Um anyway. <laughs> um you know, because you can't say that <clears throat> women's rights and gay rights and, and you know, uh, the rights of people of color are completely separate from economic issues. You know, like, again, it's the...
1: <sighs> we have to become comfortable with complexity. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And... And... We have to be able to see things as part of, a, of of an ecosystem. This need to separate things as if they do not affect one another is the reason why we're having a lot of problems solving our problems. Yes. Because they don't exist in isolation. Yes. They all communicate. Educational opportunity affects crime. Yes. You know, affects race relations, which affects the military. Yes. You know, it's all of this stuff is, is joined. Uh, And we can't just kind of cherry pick these different things. How we treat our daughters affects our men. How we treat our men affects our daughters, right? Mm -hmm. Like these things are all unified. And we've got to grow to be more comfortable with dealing with a few things at the same time because it's going to require that. In order for us to evolve properly into the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's, it's, I, it's not, you can't yeah. just draw a circle of fire around one interest and say, well, we're going to deal with that, but we're not going to deal with any of this other stuff because all of this stuff communicates with one another.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And.
1: I've got to go, Heather.
0: No, listen, honey, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I could, honor, I could talk to you for hours. This has been
1: great, though. I
0: mean, this has been probably one of my favorite conversations I've had in a very long time.
1: Oh, it's very sweet. Thank you. Um.
0: All right. So listen, peeps. Fucking Brian Edward Hill. He's fucking brilliant. Follow him on Twitter. Like, we didn't even talk about, like, your fucking comics. We didn't talk about fucking video games. We didn't talk about Marvel. We didn't talk about anything.
1: It's all good. It, look, follow, it, it, it's... You know, follow me on Twitter. It's at Brian Edward Hill. Brian with a Y. Why? Because we like you. <laughs> uh, so it's at Brian Edward Hill. Follow me on Twitter, and I and I tweet about all that stuff. And and so now, how do I get you to come downtown with your partner to meet my wife, so we can all hang out in Little Tokyo?
0: Um, you just send me a text.
1: Right on. We're gonna do that, dude. <laughs> We're done. gonna make that happen.
0: Done, done, done. Um, dude, thank you so much for thank you for
1: on. having me. I'm I'm really, really grateful to be here.
0: Oh my God. I'm so grateful to have you and everybody listen. Um, thank you for tuning in. I, I hope that you have gotten something or many things from this. Um, and if not, that's okay. Um, it's all good. (laughs) Um, and I love you all so much. Like I really fucking do. Um, like, I really do. It it means the world to me that, that anybody listens to this. Um, so I hope that you guys all have a beautiful rest of your week. And um, practice self-care. Get a massage. Meditate. Read a new book. Play video games. Um, just take some time for you. Um, and just know that you are loved. And until next week, bye.
1: Bye.